Welcome to the Upward Mobility Podcast, Episode 3, After the Dust Settles. So today I'm interviewing Jennifer Delgado for the Upward Mobility Podcast. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming to the podcast and coming to my interview. I really appreciate it. So me and you, we spent some time together. We really haven't had some like intense dialogue. So I'm so excited to kind of sit down and kind of get to know you and kind of we could build and see how COVID and all these things happen with you. So Jennifer Delgado, please just give me like a two minute bio about yourself. I would love to hear about it and kind of we can go from there. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Um, so I grew up in Queens where I currently still live in Queens. So Queens girl all the way. Um, so I went to hospitality school. Um, I got my degree in hospitality management. I always loved hotels. Um, I kind of grew up with that. My mother was in hospitality management. So growing up, I was able to go to hotels, um, you know, stay in like fancy rooms, uh, you know, travel with her and do all those things. And I was like, this sounds really cool. I want to do hotels too. So I got my degree in it. And I started in my first hotel when I was 20 years old. Um, I thought this was the coolest thing ever. Uh, I worked at like a really fancy hotel in Midtown Manhattan at the Peninsula Hotel. I got to meet like all these celebrities. I thought I was living the life. Um, So yeah, so that's kind of how my career started in the hotel world. I never knew there was like a hospitality kind of school and oh, stuff. Like yeah. what is it just like four years, two years? And what do they go over in that kind of that so whole process? So it's four years. Um, you can get your master's in it if you want, um, which I always thought was a waste of time. Um, so it's a four-year school. And I took classes from like wine class where you actually got to try wine, uh, cocktail That'd class, be my class. Um, baking uh, I made sauces, uh, different cooking classes. Um, we had a semester where we had to serve a dining room. So we were like, you know, servers taking orders and then delivering food. And then you do all basic, like, you know, math, you know, science and, and English and all that stuff. But, you know, they add in all these fun things like uh, one class, I had to build my own restaurant or bar where I had to actually do a budget for it, do a um, like a plan for it. I had to um, create a schematic on it, which my dad is an architect or he was, uh, he's since retired. So you cheated? Uh, so yeah, I cheated. He drew like this whole crazy thing with like the bathroom and like the kitchen area. You know, it really, uh, they give you like a whole great, so like if you wanted to go into culinary, if you wanted to be a chef, you would also go through that course or, or you know, this program. Um, I was able to go to Paris for a semester learn French. Wow. How was Paris and stuff compared kind of America? It must've been nice, right? Yeah, you could smoke everywhere. So I would be in class <laughs> and I would walk outside of class in the hallway of the school and smoke a cigarette. It was fantastic. Um, you know, we we're always drunk by noon because we were doing cocktail class, you know, it was great. Uh, again, I'm like, you know, at that point I was like 19 years old drinking and smoking in school. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, but you were, you were, you were, yeah, totally. I can vouch for you. That was the coolest thing ever. It was. And you know, it was a great experience. And I was like, this is what I want to do forever. This is it. Uh, and then I did kind of. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, so then the whole world got shook because COVID hit and your industry, the hospitality mm-hmm. hotel industry got hammered. hammered. Like everybody, you guys got closed. It got closed down. Mm-hmm. You were reading every article. The governor was like, we have to close yeah. this. We have to do that. So you, so your job kind of, my job is almost illegal, kind of right? Because not only was I in hotels and hospitality, but 
I ran events and it was illegal oh. to have an event over 10 people. So not only was my job completely unnecessary, it, you also just weren't allowed to do it. So at that point when COVID hit, so I, uh, COVID hit, I had been in hotels for 20 years. Um, about 13 or 14 of those years, I was with Starwood Hotels, which is now Marriott. Um, and then okay. the last four years, I went to Denahan Hospitality and I was the area director of catering and conference services. Um, and one day I was, and then one day I wasn't. That's basically how it kind of went down. You know, um, we found out in March, obviously, as everybody else did. Um, we were told on a Friday, take your laptops home. Um, you'll be home for a couple of weeks until this rides out and work remote. And we were kind of like, sweet, we get to work remote. This is awesome. You know, we don't have to come into the office. And, you know, the, the cool part was that we were already sitting in a corporate office. We weren't sitting at a hotel. So we were already okay. a little bit removed from the day-to-day -day operations of the hotel um, where we could literally do our job anywhere. So we were like, do we get a home? Great, we'll go home. And, and we did. And thought it was great. And, you know, first week, second week, third week, we're like, all right, this is fine. We're still at home. Then of course, everything started shutting down. Um, you couldn't go outside. Um, people started canceling. Flights weren't able to come in anymore. And you're like, wait a minute, this is getting a little bit more than just a fun two weeks at home. And then we're all going to come back. So, um, you know, I had a team of four or five at that point and we okay, kept very very close you know we we had calls all the time texting all the time we were close to begin with we were a really good team um but we really didn't hear from anybody else it was just sort of us communicating with each other every now and then we would get send us a list of what you guys have been doing all day so i'm like guys I, you got to make shit up at this point like because we're not really <laughs> doing anything all we're doing is canceling things so we started to, you know, think outside the box, like let's call different places and, you know, tell them what services we have, or let's make lists of people we can call later. Or, you know, we just started making shit up because we needed to keep busy and we thought it would be over in a month maybe. So all the stuff that we were researching maybe would come in handy later. I don't know. Um, but obviously that didn't, didn't pan out the way that we thought it would. But prior to COVID, was the leadership, the, the communication good? Because you were in the office with them constantly. And then once you guys disappeared, like they were like, all right, you guys are on your own. It was like survival of the fittest. And kind uh, of was, how was the communication when you were in the office? You know, when we were in the office, so I was the leader of the team. And again, I had a really good team and we were really closely knit. And I almost think it didn't matter. We knew the direction we needed to go in. We knew what we needed to do. Um, whether or not we got support or not support, there were people that gave us great support and there were people that did it um, as in any job, right? Um, so we kind of did what we had to do to get things done and we always were successful. So yeah, we could bitch and moan about this one and that one and you know maybe not the greatest boss in the world and all of that, but we got through it. It was when you know, and then you know as we mentioned to, I mentioned to you before, you know I listened to Jamie's podcast earlier. And, you know, Jamie was on my team and to echo a little bit of, of what she said, um, the experience that I had, you know, so we were sent home mid-March, like everybody else. Um, I eventually got laid off in um, end of June, 
July, end of June, beginning of July, somewhere around there, end of June. And from those two months, I didn't hear from my boss. There wasn't wow, a check-in, how are you? Um, maybe there was an email and I need this, I need that, or like send me what you guys are doing, things like that. But there, that personal touch where the world is falling apart, everyone is scared. Are we losing our jobs? Are people getting sick and dying? All of these things, there was never any, hey, just check in, how are you doing? Like, I know this is rough. I don't have the answers either because I'm going through it with you, but it didn't feel like we were going through it together. So that sort of was kind of bullshit a little bit. You know, when I got a text message from my boss around end of June to give her a call, I remember texting another person that I worked with. I go, hey, I heard from this person. This can't be good. And he goes, it isn't. He's like, be prepared. And he was really good. And I said, okay. So I knew it was coming. Um, I didn't know how, like if the whole team, if whatever it was. So when I got the, when I called back and it was um, my boss in HR and, and they had told me that, you know, due to this, this and that, we're laying you off, which, you know, made sense. I knew it was coming. Um, I remember asking, what about my team? Like, how are they doing? Like, are they going to be okay? And they wouldn't tell me. And uh, they, they wouldn't even kind of communicate none of that. No, like, they're like, we can't tell that you. That shows great leadership. And, yeah, because you, you cared about them. You know, HR issue or not HR issue, you can tell me if, yeah. you, if you're going to lay them off in, in five minutes from now after you get off the phone with me, you think I'm going to run and tell them, hey, expect a call. I mean, it was not for that. It wasn't gossip. It was, you know, are my team going to be okay? Yeah. And they were like, we can't tell you. And I was like, well, that's, not, the human aspect was was gone from that you know it was more and not to say that and I even on the call with them you know I was really upset about it because I liked working there um but I understood and I even said to them um I'm really sorry that you guys have to do this because you have to do call after call and that must weigh on you and that sucks um and that was my that human you feel aspect. like yeah, the collect again. They laid you off by the phone and through Zoom, or like how they it was, was a phone, phone call. It was a phone call. I knew, Gosh, wow. I don't even blame them for that because I don't know how else. Zoom wasn't like how it is now. I, I mean, Zoom was existed obviously, but it's not like people were doing Teams and Zoom calls every five minutes. You know, so it wasn't as big. Like now, it's like, hey, you want to get on Teams call? Like we don't even call each other anymore. We call each other through Teams. Because that's so normal now. Like, I feel like it wasn't. So a phone call is fine, but just, I would have appreciated a call somewhere within those two, two and a half months to be like, we don't know what's happening, but are you okay? Like as a human to a human. And that, that wasn't there. So that was kind of shitty. What about them not being prepared for like kind of this, not having all this influx of money or no preparation? Because I know you, you heard my podcast mm -hmm. with Jamie and I kind of, that's one of my biggest problems with all this stuff is kind of, they always tell us to prepare, like we have to have mm -hmm. lived like six months. But a lot of these hotels and these big businesses, they kind of were not prepared and kind of, we were all lost. Yeah. So that you bring up a good point, that communication part of it. And I think- Like how did that make you feel? Like what the hell, bro? Yeah, and you know- like if it was a Marriott or a Hilton, I think it's different. And, and people that I know that worked for those companies, it was a little bit different. Um, 
because they do have a lot of those resources, the financial resources. So a lot of them were be able to kept on a little bit longer, maybe not the operations, but like in the sales world or so. Um, the company that Jamie and I worked for was owned by people, two people. Um, okay. it, you know, it's not like this huge, you know, Hilton. So, I mean, for a long time, I think that they did not make wise financial decisions. Um, and just, okay. I can say that because of the example of when I started with them, you know, four years before they had over 11 hotels. And when I was laid off, they had four. So, wow. and it had nothing to do with the pandemic. So I, I don't know if the choices they made would have led them to keep people on. I don't think financially they were not ready, not ready for a pandemic for sure, but not ready for any sort of hit, you know? Interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and right now, when I spoke to Jamie, he said they're no, they're no longer in business, right? So they yeah, kind of closed down, closed shop, right? Yeah, they sold everything. Whether or not they have a stake in it, I don't know, but they, I mean, and that, no, I don't think anyone is surprised about that. Um, it just wasn't going in the upward uh, direction. <laughs> it, yeah, because you, you're like, so if you, the pandemic just kind of maybe accelerated. I think eventually they would have closed down. And it, like you said, they went Probably. from 11 to four hotels. So financially they weren't savvy or they were kind of just like the rest of us, we live paycheck to paycheck, but their paycheck was a little bit bigger than ours. Right. So they were kind of able to do a lot more than we were. So they let you go. Mm -hmm. Did you regret kind of, given all that time, that commitment, you're like, what the fuck, man? Like I gave you guys, cause like you, the hotel takes a lot of your energy. It takes a lot of your time. It does. How did that go? About? You know, and I don't think I knew that then as I know it now. So when I got laid off, I was lucky because I was financially stable and I, if it had happened probably, I don't know, six or seven years earlier, I might not have been, but I had gotten myself into a place where I was in a really good place financially. So, you know, the second that it happened, I was like, all right, I'm knowing that I can't go out the door and find another hotel job, right? Because they're, they don't exist. So I decided I was just going to chill. So I hopped on a plane, left to Europe for a month. And I was like, bye. <laughs> And wow. So you went to Europe for a whole month. Yeah. How was the lockdown in Europe and stuff like that's interesting. I didn't even know. I didn't know people did that. Well, so I went to Serbia and it's okay. very different, right? It's not like going to London. Um, you know, Serbia is like, we're making our own rules. Uh, and I stayed with family and we went to the beach. We went to, it was like, it was like nothing was going on. Um, I mean, you had to wear your mask and stuff, of course, but it was a nice decompress, you know, and I've never taken yes, a, a trip that long. And, um, and I said, you know, I'm going to chill. So when I came back in, you know, August, um, I decided to kind of ride out the year and, you know, the, uh, unemployment was good with the extra money, you know, so that really kind of, I feel like saved me and saved a lot of people because what I didn't realize that is bullshit. Um, you know, I was never on unemployment before. So New York state has unemployment X, right? And New uh -huh. Jersey has unemployment X in every state. So my friends in New Jersey were making like $600 a week, don't, not counting the- um, The feds money, right. the federal money, the federal stimulus right, money. Right, not counting that. They were making like six, $700 a week. We were making 
the top money you can make is $441 or something like that. And that didn't cover my you can't buy groceries with that, bro. You can't buy nothing with yeah. that in New York, especially Queens. Right. So I'm thinking, why is New York City the same as like all of New York State is a huge state. The people living in Albany can probably be just fine where $400, like you said, you get grocery. I mean, it, the $400 a week wasn't going to cover my rent. No, who cares about eating? Who cares about electricity, your cell phone? It wasn't going to pay my rent. So thank God for that extra $600 because obviously we weren't going out. You know, we weren't spending money outside. So I was able to be okay. I was making less than what I was making when I was working, but I wasn't doing anything. So at least I was not in the negative every month. If, if it wasn't for that $600, I would have been automatically negative every single month, which is a tough spot wow. to be in, you know? That's scary because yeah. you bills, you could be homeless. So kind of that whole thing about the dollar, I have it because I run a lot of programs. I, run, I work for non-for-profit and that's my biggest fight of like Long Island, the city can easily be different than upstate Absolutely. and kind of, we need to have some kind of income difference because mm -hmm. we can't, like you said, we get $400 is really nothing, nothing. and kind of, Upstate, like in Albany, for they, that could be all right. Four hundred dollars a week. What is that? Eight, twelve, sixteen hundred dollars. They their rent is like seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Right. They can live off of right. That. My rent was but sixteen fifty, which wow. in New York City in Queens is a very reasonable. Uh, That's really good. Rent. It was a one bedroom apartment, sixteen fifty, very very reasonable, and I was not even able to pay that with what unemployment would have been which is ridiculous. That's scary, but, mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad the feds came in. I know everybody, all yeah. these politicians, I'm glad the feds came in because they saved someone like you that had the opportunity. When you were in Serbia, did you self-reflect on kind of what is your future going to be? Like, what are, what do you need to do kind of while you're over there? Because the, you, the world just gave you a quick punch in the mouth. Like you were saying, you lost your job yeah. and you kind of potentially could have lost everything. I mean, it's kind of scary because what I was afraid about was I was in hotels for 20 years, 17 of those years was in events and, and, you know, catering and conference services groups. I didn't know how to do anything else. I wasn't taught anything else. So go work for a bank. I, I don't even know what to do. Go work in this industry doing what I had no idea where I, I felt like I had no, no usable skills. You know, because That's if it scary. wasn't a hotel, like I have my best friend works for JP Morgan. She's one of my only friends that didn't work in a hotel because we've been friends since we were, you know, 13, 12, 13 years old. And she would tell me what she does for a living. And I'm like, listen, I don't know what you're saying. Unless you're checking in someone or checking out someone or planning, don't talk to me. I don't know what you're doing. And now <laughs> after 20 years, I don't have any usable skills in this world. How am I supposed to learn something? It was, you know, and I tried not to think about it. I tried to think that this will be over. This will be over. It'll be fine. I'll go back. I'll go back. And then slowly and slowly, I was just realizing, I don't think I want to go back. But then what the hell do I do? So that's kind of where, so in December, it was my birthday and I turned 40. And I was Happy like. Happy birthday. I know it was a while. 40 is a great year. That's the beginning of everything. And so, I yeah, feel like good. that was the turning point, you know, and. I said, I'm not going to look for a job until January. I'm going to 
you know, have a good ride, enjoy my birthday. And then when my birthday came around, I was always looking forward to 40. I didn't care about age. I'm not one of those people like I'm getting old. I don't care. But when it came around and I had no job, I got really depressed. And I said, I'm 40 years old. I don't have a job. I have no prospects of having a job. My skills are useless, you know, and throughout the pandemic, I had a lot of friends that had it like a tough, they had a real tough time. And I was kind of the one that would always be like, no, let's think of the positive, let's do, you know, and, and I think months and months of me doing that, all of a sudden it all, all sort of hit. And then I was like, oh, I get it. I, I'm like, I hit bottom and I was like, holy shit, what do I do now? And I think for like, you know, most of December, you know, the holidays, my birthday, no prospects, just, you know, and I was interviewing, like I was sending resumes out here and there just for like shits and giggles. And I was applying for things that were way below me and I wasn't even getting a call. And I was like, wow. what is this? Cause I kind of, and I kept saying to myself, but when you get serious on looking for a job, it'll be different. <laughs> But then I'm like, they don't know I'm not really serious yet. And they're still not calling. So now what? You know, so that wow, was a that, rough, it was a rough time for me during that time. If you don't mind me asking, did you see a therapist? Did you try to seek out? I know it was difficult to see a therapist and kind of do that to try to, because that's, that's a lot to take on. Somebody. It is, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that, I guess. I, I kind of thought it was my turn because I saw several of my friends go through it really bad. And I was always there for them. And I felt like this was just my turn that, you know, I was able to keep it together for, you know, I don't know, was that seven or eight months. And now it's just my turn to kind of be like, holy shit, what now? And thank goodness, like it didn't last very long. It probably was like, just like a few weeks or so. Um, but I didn't even really think about it. I just really thought like, I just have to live in it, kind of live in the, the shit of it. And then eventually I get out of it. Is, is that because it's culturally because you're from Serbia, you're Peruvian, like, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm Latino. Sometimes we got to give me, my family told me you got to get off your ass and get, deal with it, bro. Deal with I mean, I've, I've gone to therapy before and I thought it was great. I mean, you just talk and talk and talk and oh, it was great. <laughs> but I don't know, I guess during this time I figured it was different, right? Because everyone is the same. Every, like yeah. all of my friends were hotel people. It, you know, it's not like I had all my friends thriving. They were all in the shit too. They all lost their jobs. They were all, you know, depending on the 600 bucks from the government, they're all going like, what do I do now? So it, it was like a kind of like a group thing. And we all just got hit a little differently at different times. Um, but, you know, therapy for like other things I thought was always great. But for this, I guess I just didn't think about it. Interesting, because a lot of people felt like they they, they sought out that therapy because yeah. it was because they were doing a lot of the kind of that, that 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 kind of like what you were going through. Like, I have nothing more like what happened. I've been doing something for so long, 20, 30 years. But, there were people that were real close to retirement and lost their job. I know. So, you know, but 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 I'm glad you kind of you know, you flipped it back after a couple of weeks and kind of got through it. Mm -hmm. you, you were like, all right, I get on top of it. So that happened. So what happens if it happens again? Are you think you're prepared for it mentally, financially, and kind of, are you thinking about it now? Does it cross your mind? Now? It does. Financially, I'm always thinking about it. So um, before the pandemic, like I, I was financial, financially stable, but I 
I like to spend money. I like to buy things, you know? Um, I like makeup. I like purses. I like all the shit that girls like. Um, and then during the pandemic, that all stopped, right? It was, in it's interesting because I literally yesterday, I got in the mail, Sephora is doing their annual sale, whatever. Um, since the pandemic, I have not bought a single thing from Sephora. I know that sounds stupid to say, but before nobody changes your spending habits. I was spending, you know, the the top dollar to make the top level, whatever the rouge that you are, you know, so that's like fifteen hundred dollars a year. I haven't spent a dollar on that because I sort of, I mean, I still go out and I drink and I eat and I, you know, like to go out, but like material things, I'm a little bit more careful with because I'm like do I need this right now? And why am I spending my money so freely? Thank God I was in the position I was when this happened, where I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't have to worry about groceries. I didn't have to worry about, you know, I mean, the money from the government was great, but if I had, if push came to shove, I had a really good savings I could dip into. Even during the pandemic, I saved money. That $600 that was coming in, I wasn't spending all of it. I wasn't putting that back in. I wasn't stimulating anything. I was putting a portion of that in my bank account because I was like, holy shit, I don't know. I don't want to ever feel like I'm in trouble that way. You know, I don't, you know, my parents are both still around, but they don't, I don't come from money. They don't have, you know, they can't bail me out of things. Um, they're just regular working people that did well. And, you know, so I don't have a safety net. And I had to create that for myself. So now coming out, you know, I got a job and I, I got paid well, but I'm still very cautious where I don't need two of those, maybe just one, you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just still feel that way emotionally. I don't know how I would feel about it, but at least financially, I know that I would still be okay. And then you talked about your friends struggling and stuff. Did you feel kind of any way that they were struggling? And at a time you were financially good, you're like, oh shit. Like, did it feel weird to talk about it? Or how did I had that a couple of friends that were focus? good financially and a couple of friends that weren't. Um, and again, thank God for that $600 because I feel like that saved a lot of them too. And, you know, and I, and I think it was just trying to be respectful of everyone's situation. Um, because, you know, one person is totally fine. One person has, you know, you know, money that they inherited from here or there. Another person is kind of struggling. It was just trying to be respectful of, yes, we're all in this together. We have different situations, but let's just be there for each other emotionally and, and, you know, just have each other's back. And like, you're having a bad day. Like one day, one of my friends was having a bad day. I went and I got her a Mac Mac salad from her favorite place, you know, drove over there. You know, she came down, we said six feet apart. I put the Mac salad on the floor. <laughs> she picked it up and she went her way. I went my way. Just stupid things like that to like, we're you here probably for each other. Saved it. You, yep. You probably saved it. Cause I've read a lot of articles that things like that save people from committing suicide, from going into a deep depression. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. You kind of did that. So let's talk, let's talk back about the unemployment process. Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of people complained about like the system logging on and kind of filling out that information and kind yeah. of doing the taxes. How was that process of filling out the unemployment? Process? Uh, in the beginning, it was 
it was tough because um, everyone was doing it at the same time. So literally the entire state of New York was doing it at the same time. So it was a lot of uh, logging out, a lot of, you know, that circle of death and, you know, all that stuff kind of, um, so it took a while and then it took weeks to get the first payment um, and everyone was different, right? So my friends would be like, I just got mine. Well, I didn't get mine yet. Oh, I just got mine now. And you just sort of had to sit around and wait. There was nothing you could do. No one you can call. Um, phone, you know, they were being inundated with calls and emails. And my friend finally was able to get his payment because he reached out on Twitter. He like put a Twitter mess a message on Twitter, and they kind of finally were like, okay, yeah, we'll pay you. But you know, it. That's interesting. I never mm-hmm. thought about it. so he so he was able to kind of tag him on like at the at Twitter. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, once it like the first payment came in, then it was fine. But I think um, in the and I think in the beginning too, we were all scared, right? We were like, yes. how does this work? None of us have ever been on a plane. What do we do? And you know, and I need my money because I don't have any more money now. What's you know? So I think everyone panicked in the beginning, and because my friend got his today and my friend's getting hers next week where the hell's mine it was no order um and there was no one to talk to because literally every single person you knew was doing the same thing that's it and and i, and I want to go back to kind of your job and the first job when you got laid off at a hotel mm-hmm. they kept jamie i'm not trying to say them mm-hmm. how did that make you feel that they kept someone and let everyone else go because she was like the lone wolf and like, and they made, they threw everything on top of mm-hmm. her. Like, well, I knew that like, they were going to do kinda... that. So um, oh, okay. to Jamie's point, when she said, you know, they had to look at salaries and my yeah. salary was higher than hers and she could literally do everything that I did. It made sense financially. And, you know, what I didn't like, cause you know, her and I are very close and kept, kept in close during the whole time. I didn't love how they excluded her from all of these things. Um, and that's where I knew that drove her kind of nuts and crazy with it. Um, you're just trying to do your job. You're just trying to get through and knowing that people are having meetings without you and making decisions without you. Fine. If you don't think I can make a decision, that's fine. At least pretend and put, bring me in and just tell me what it is, you know, let me be present in the meeting. So, you know, it was, it was funny because it was great that she got to keep her job, but then it also was shitty that she got to keep her job. So, yeah, because the way they treated her was horrible and then kind of and, and let me get back on what do you think they could have done better because through the whole process of kind of with your team and you to kind of make you feel kind of you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like not be a little angry, like like what could have they done? I think it was, you know, keeping the communication while we were all in the dark. Um, and not saying that they had to have the answers because I know that they were in the dark too. Um, this is not this wasn't only new and and hitting us it was hitting leadership too and and i think we respect that we don't expect them to know what to do during a pandemic no one knew what to do during a pandemic but that's when you just reach out and it's back to that human aspect just be a person don't be my boss anymore don't be the director of blah blah anymore be a person and just say this fucking sucks right I don't know what to tell you. And yeah, it does. Things are calling, you know, that, that I think would have went a long way. 
and showing their vulnerability too. I think sometimes yeah. that leadership, and that's what I struggle with at my own job, is like sometimes leadership doesn't want to show their vulnerability. They got to be a boss, like you said. Like, no, motherfucker, I need you to be kind of yeah. be human, like you said. And people and show cry, your and show people get upset, yes. and you know, yes. even even now, I sometimes I tell my staff, you know, because we're I'm still in hospitality, and they're, you know, they're having a rough day. I'm like, it, we all do it. Go cry in the bathroom, and then come back yeah. out, and you'll be fine. It's, it's no, there's no, there's no shame to that because we're all human at the, at the end of the day. Right. So I'm not going to tell you I'm this robot where I have no emotions. I get upset. I want to cry. I want to punch things, but you know, then you go back out on the floor and you smile and you say, yeah, hi. <laughs> and you keep, but so now everything worked itself out. You found a new job. Yes. How long did it take you to find that new job? So, um, like what was, how many interviews did you go on and what did you do? So I found this job in January. Um, I went on about, how long were you not without a job? I'm sorry, just so, so we could recap. I was how laid long off you a job? end of June. Um, oh, and then I got, I started in February. So I found this job in January. I found it on Indeed. It was called a okay. workplace experience manager. I had no idea what that meant. The word hospitality was somewhere in the description. I was like, okay. Um, and I, I met with H, HR called me at like, I think I applied at, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. HR called me at seven to set up 7 p.m. to set up an interview for the next day. So I was like, okay. And then it was pretty fast. It was um I met with about six or seven people. Um so I work for a company called Canon Business Process Services, which I've never heard of in my entire life. I've never I don't know what that is. What do they do? So so you know Canon, like the printer people and the camera yeah. people. Mm -hmm. So there is a kind of like a, a an entity or a division it's called canon business process services and we do outsourcing all of these things i had no idea existed right so basically you're a company right like aig that's my client so aig is one of the top insurance you know companies in the world they hire my company to come in and do services so for example we want you canon to come in and run our mail department we want you to come in and run our print department. We want you to come in and run our workplace experience department, which is me. And Canon sources the people, they, they look for the employees, they hire them, they pay them. They're the ones that give the benefits. So I work for Canon, but I sit in the AIG office and I, those are my clients. And I provide this service to them every single day. And why would a company do that? Because they don't want to deal with the headaches, the insurance and all that stuff. And kind well, of I have to imagine um, it's cheaper, right? Okay. Um, you don't have to pay as much. And then two, yeah, I mean, so what I do, so I run the workplace experience program and I run the mail department and the print department. So we create all the SOPs, all the standard operating procedures. If I have someone quit, I'm the one that rehires them. Um, if I have someone on vacation, I'm the one that finds a replacement to, you know, fill that spot. So I do all of these things that AIG doesn't have to worry about. You know, they just depend on, they pay us whatever, you know, this, the billing the is some monstrosity, monstrosity that I don't know how it works. Um, that aspect is done by other people, but they pay this annual bill. And, you know, it gets to them monthly and they review it, but all of this nitty gritty, you know, things that I have to do, they don't have to worry about. They're like, okay, we've hired Canon to take care of this. And it's a cert, it's, it's like any other service, right? Like, you don't want to clean your house, you hire a cleaning lady, because I don't want to do it. 
Interesting. I didn't even know companies did that. So you, did so you have to hire people. Yeah, that's right. And so, and you were able to translate the skills you learn in hospitality into this job. And it's kind of, how did that, how did you do that? How were you able to well, work all through that? So I guess, you know, in the past or historically, this has been around, but workplace experience is fairly new. Um, it really is like more a facilities job in the past, right? Like, oh, your chair is broken. Okay, my engineer is going to fix it. Um, where now people really want to bring that hospitality level to their employees. They want to bring that white glove service, that high level customer service. So when they, when Canon went out to look for this position, they were looking for someone who had hospitality in their background, you know, someone that's a servicer, someone that provides customer service and not just like, hey, you want me to fix your chair? Great. No, it's like, how may I assist you? I would be happy to fix your chair. You know, all of these things that they were looking for. And for me, that was an easy transition. So, you know, I went from the hotel industry working round the clock, never stop to a Monday through Friday, nine to five, still giving hospitality it like the work-life balance is amazing compared to what it was and I'm still doing what I love it's a great transition for anyone in the hotel industry that you know at a certain point you know when you're in your 20s you know working like till 11 p.m and coming in for the morning shift and you know working like 16 hours that's all fun when you're in your 40s now I want to come home and sit on the couch and watch some TV, you know, like I'm over it. So it's a really nice transition to still do what you love, but have a better work-life balance. That's it. So you think these big companies are changing that because they want their staffs to stay longer. They want to try to get them to kind of buy into their company. So they kind of looking into that white glove service. Yeah, I think it's a little bit. So I think it has been around, um, you know, because I know companies have done this before, and I know this now, I didn't know this before, have done this before the pandemic, but I think now it's even more important, right? Because people are, they've been working from home for two years. They don't want to go back in the office, you know, but some companies are, are making it mandatory. You have to come back in the office. So let's say you've been working from home for two years, totally fine, producing well, you're doing good. Your company says you have to come back in the office. You're annoyed because you got to commute, get on the subway, drive, whatever, you got to get dressed now, you do all these things and you come into the office and you go to sit down at your workstation, you plug in your laptop and your monitor doesn't work. You're like, this is bullshit. Or you go over to the pantry area and you're like, I need some coffee because I can't do it today. And there's no coffee in the machine. Well, again, this is bullshit. So how can we make your experience a good one where even though you may not want to come into the office because you like being at home, at least when you come in here, it's seamless. Everything works. You turn around, there's a person there to be like, how can I help you? And they can answer your questions. They can get what you need done so that you can do whatever job it is that you were hired to do. So that's what my team did. That would make me want to go to the office if I had somebody trying to help me do all that. So it's kind of interesting. So you have to find people. Like how difficult is to find people? How how many resumes do you got to go through? And kind of how is that process? Because I'm hearing that nobody wants to fucking work. No one wants to do anything, bro. It's very interesting. So when I worked in the hotels, you know, I've had to hire people, mostly coordinators, you know, event managers, things of that sort. Typically, I would get people that graduated from hotel school or came from another hotel company. Maybe I would interview three or four people for a job. um, And that was it. You're hired. Great. 
I have been at Canon since February of 2021. So it's been about a year and seven months or so. And I, I have a team of 35. Um, I had to, so when I first got hired, I had to build a team of maybe about 10 or 15. Um, and then people leave, people get promoted, all that stuff. So for a year and eight months in, I have interviewed over 250 people. Um, wow. That's not even counting the amount of resumes I've gone through. So for example, last week I had to hire a position. I received um, a thousand resumes from Indeed. How do you filter to do a thousand resumes? I do not. Um, so <laughs> I came in on a Monday and I had about 200 from the weekend. I went through a hundred. Out of the hundred, I reached out to six people for interviews. Wow. Out of the six people, I got four that responded. And out of those wow. four, I liked two. And out of those two, I hired one. So the rest of these, you know, 800 resumes, I never even opened because there's no, there's no way. There's no physical yeah, there's no time. way. And if I can't find at least one person with a hundred resumes, why do I think I'm going to find anything with a thousand? It's, it's a numbers game. Like, uh, that's crazy. So what do you think now that you say that, what, what can people do who are looking for jobs and that happens to them? What can they do for make somebody like you open their resumes or want their resumes to be open? Well, I think the problem is that right now people are applying for everything and anything, even when they don't yeah. have the skills. I'll give you a yeah. fun example. I was hiring for a hospitality person. It's basically someone that walks the floors and monitors. Um, so the, like the, the description is like, um, you know, monitoring the floors, restocking, hospitality, customer service, blah, blah, blah. The resume that I got said he was a pro basketball player. Um, he played uh, for two seasons in Mexico and is looking to go into the NBA GF or something. I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 the G League. That thing, GL, G, whatever. Um, I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> And that was it, the end. That was his work experience. Why do you think I'm going to call you for this job? You're a basketball wow. player. Yeah, you have no skills, nothing you could translate for the most part to the thing. I, I mean, you know, going through so many resumes, you gotta make it pop. I need the resume to pop at me and I need keywords from my description. If there's nothing about hospitality, if there's nothing about customer service, if there's nothing about some, like, I don't need you to have this job before because I can teach you how to do this job. I can teach you how to, you know, make coffee and clean a machine and, you know, uh, work the technology. That's easy. But I need to have customer service or some sort of hospitality because those words are in there. If you don't have any of that, I, I don't, I'm not going to call you. It's just as simple That's as that. So read the descriptions, you know, read what job you're looking for, put it in your resume so that you can, you know, that person can correlate. All right. They got something here. You know, I'm not, what, what I do and what my team does, it's not rocket science. We can teach it, but you have to give me something, you know, especially getting a thousand resumes in a week. 
I'm looking at a resume for two seconds. I open it, skim it, done. Next, next, next. I just don't have the time. Wow. So also you good. So what's your plans for the future? Like I, you went through a lot in the last mm -hmm. like two, three years. Like, what do you see yourself doing in the future? Are you going to open your own business? Like, what do you see yourself going no, on in the I next future? I'm going to stick around here for a bit. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like this. Um, I like this gig. Um, I like that I have the work-life balance. I go into work. I make people happy. Um, Canon is a great company. Um, I've never worked for a company that has been more appreciative and give praise and support as this company, you know, working in hotels for, you know, 20 years so long, you know, getting abused, get, you know, getting more shit put on top of you. Here, this company, they take the time to say thank you and show appreciation like I've never seen before. And it's, that's how it should be. That's how life should be. You shouldn't have to feel that you're being taken advantage of and all of that. And, and, you know, you know, money is one thing, even it, like, you know, people say they don't get paid enough, but it's also that they don't get appreciated enough. If you were getting more appreciated and maybe not the pay you wanted, you probably wouldn't complain as much, you know, but if you're not getting the pay and you're not getting the appreciation, then you're not getting shit. So I, I got to say, I, this world is so different, this corporate world compared to the hotel industry. I love the hotels. They taught me everything I know. I will be forever grateful. I will never go back. <laughs> and I, I kind of like this world. You wouldn't go back for more money? You no. wouldn't go back for kind of... Someone reached oh, out to me a couple of weeks ago, more money, director of events. I was like, absolutely not immediately. Immediately. Wow. Interesting. Wow. So you did something for over like close to 20 years and you're like, I'm done because this job kind of can. And so again, I think of how a job can really keep the employees is kind of show them appreciation, praise them, give them that support and let them have that work balance. I think more jobs yep. need to kind of figure that out and kind of maybe people won't quiet quit because, you know, this new thing, mm -hmm. this quiet quit thing and stuff. But I think if companies did more of what you just said, I think they kind of maybe their staff, you don't have to pay them a lot. You just kind of, at least you're paying a decent amount of money, but you give money. them other extra mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. You'll be good to go. That's interesting to put. And also what I want to, because I want to wrap up is people, if you are applying for jobs and you can't get a job, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Just what you just said earlier yeah. is those key words. Yeah. Use those key words that are on the job description. Yeah. Sell yourself. You have to sell yourself. I'm not going to do you a favor. Sell me you. Tell me why. And then make your it. resume pop. Mm -hmm. And make it make sure your resume pops yep. so it makes you want to open it yep. and kind of read it and make sure you engage it. And then once you get the interview, how can they prepare themselves to get that job with yeah. you? Do research on the company. Um, yep. Dress well. Um, be in an environment where you're not outside. Don't take interviews in taxis, on subways, or on the street. I've had all of those. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't, the world is changing. Don't don't hold the phone like this. So I see up your nose the whole time. Don't do it. Like be <laughs> professional. You're selling yourself. This is how you want to. You're you want me to hire you. Sell sell yourself. Don't there. There's so many don'ts that I have experienced over this year and a half. Um, and I think the pandemic made that because everyone is used to 
now being a little bit more casual, no, you still want this job. You got to fight for this job because other people are going to fight for it. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. So that makes it kind of, you know what I think too, a lot of people now don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like they don't really yep. they're like, you got to at least care yep. a little bit about what's going on. Don't give too fuck. Like yep. it's crazy. Like, like I've been at, like I myself, I had a bunch of positions opens and I can't find nobody. You got to like, do the work scary. for it. So if you want me yeah. to work hard and go through a thousand resumes and, you know, really like sift it out, schedule appointments, people know show on me all the time. Do If you want me to do all this, then you show up to dress up, be in a nice environment and, and learn what you're learn what the role is that you're applying for. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate Thanks, everything Rob. you've done. I'm really, really thankful for you coming on this and speaking it to me so and sharing your <laughs> and sharing your feelings and stuff. I know sometimes it's difficult for us to do it, so I'm really thankful for it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. Know you. someone who, because of COVID, changed the way they view their future or would like to be a sponsor of the Upward Mobility Podcast, please email Rob at odcapitalholdingsllc at gmail.com. OD Capital Holdings LLC at gmail.com.